This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Today's guest is the founder of a band that rocked my 15-year-old balls off as I sat in the rafters of Madison Square Garden in 1990. Frank Farana, better known as Nikki Six, was the primary songwriter and bassist for Motley Crue, a band that absolutely epitomizes rock and roll excess. He has a new memoir out called The First 21, How I Became Nikki Six, which tells his incredible life story and gives some tips on how you too can pursue your dream. So by the end of this conversation, I will finally be able to tap into the glam rock god I was born to be. Here to kickstart all of our hearts, it's Nikki Six. Nikki, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Good to see you. Good to hear your voice. And uh, and uh, thanks for that nice, nice intro. That's better <laughs> than coffee. Of course. More coming up from our guests. But first, a word from our sponsor. Take your business online with Wix, the leading website creation platform that's got all the tools you need to create, manage, and grow your brand. Whether you're starting an online business or you've got a side hustle, you can design a site to showcase your brand that'll look great on any device. Join over 200 million people already using Wix's wide range of solutions to enhance their businesses like ultra-smart SEO tools designed to get you found on search engines, faster loading times to create outstanding user experiences, and payment solutions to help boost your revenue. Plus, with enterprise-grade security built into every site, you know you're in safe hands. You can manage everything from one dashboard on desktop and mobile, so you can be available anywhere at any time, in the office, at home, or on the go. Want to get started? Head over to Wix.com today and create your website today. And we're back. Yeah, I remember that concert, man. I was in the toppest top row screaming my head off. I'm sure you could hear me over everybody else. I heard a lot of voices. I got to tell you, I have those same memories, man, when I was young. I remember sitting way up somewhere beyond even... You're not even a dollar seat and watching Led <laughs> Zeppelin, you know, tour. Oh, my God. I mean, yes, these things are so important to us. You know, see, yeah. if, you know, live theater, live music, comedians. I mean, I remember my mom taking me to see like some like theater when I was a little kid. And I was just like blown away by like the set. Yeah. There was such thing as set design. I just, the lights and the way. Right. I mean, it blew my mind, and it's it's the same thing as seeing Led Zeppelin or Queen or maybe <laughs> you know bands like Motley Crue. It's 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 impactful, man. I love yeah, it. I still a- love rock and roll. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was uh, just to jump into that aspect of it. 
I mean, what's that like to be standing in front of thousands of people and you hit a chord, a note, and people just go absolutely bonkers? That must be incredible. When you write a song, you're, you have an idea, and then you try to make that idea as good as possible. And then you're like me, I'm in a band, I'm not a solo artist. I have these great partners and I'm like, hey, I got this song called Kickstart My Heart. Kind of not sure where to go with it. Uh Tom's like, I go, oh, that kind of sounds like Ballroom Blitz on the suite and mix like, (laughs) and you're like, oh, that adds some nuts. That adds (laughs) some lyrics. And he's like, when I get high, I get high on speed. And you're like, okay, now we're in the pocket. And then, yeah working, working, and you do this multiple, multiple, multiple times. And it's it's an inside job. Like no one's in rehearsal. No one's saying, maybe you should go to a B flat right there. It's like, leave us alone. Yeah. Let, let our animal instinct lead the way. Then you get in a studio, like in our case with Bob Rock on the Dr. Feelgood album, and he pushes us and pushes us and pushes us. He says to me, you got to go rewrite the lyrics, rewrite the lyrics. I know you're better than this. Re-. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill this guy. But he was <laughs> right. And then you stand on stage and you're like, gong, 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 And you watch everybody. Yeah. Erupt, and you're like, I remember the moment. When Tommy was like, can you just play that open chord? Just let me put a beat behind it. And it all goes back to like, wow, like everybody's like, you know, on the same page. It's yeah. And rad, man. <laughs> it's That's, not about like, look at me, look at me. It's like, yeah. look, at us, look at us. That's incredible. And I was going to ask you if you've seen this Beatles documentary that, you know, everybody's watching and to see if there's any parallels between the way uh, they worked and the way you guys work. And it sounds like there's a lot of parallels, you know, just four guys getting in a room together and bouncing ideas off each other. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's I haven't seen it yet. It's it's on my list of of, uh, things to check out. A couple of my friends have told me how good it was. We are not a jam band. So yeah. we never, I mean, you know, ideas pop out in rehearsal, of course. Uh, but we're not like, uh, let's just all jam in A. And then, like, you know, just, we don't yeah. do that. I, I I, think it's rad when bands do do that. Right. And we kind of come in and mix like, I got this idea. Or Tommy's, I got this idea. Or I got this idea. Yeah. And then together we work on the idea. It's kind of like no idea is a bad idea. Uh-huh. So, you know, if you sit there and you go, 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 what's that? And all of a sudden you've destroyed something that was such an integral, integral part of, of a song. Yeah. So we try everything, we push it. And then usually what we would do is we go in the studio, we cut a demo with no but no help. Mm. So it would be like, we got 15 songs. We're going to record them all. We're going to do our overdubs. We're going to do our, you know, things. And then you have an actual album in your hand on a yeah. cassette at the time. Right. You live with that. You live with that. And that's kind of how, that's how our process is. Yeah. When you have a demo of your idea that everybody was forthcoming on, then you can take it to the next level. But I, some of my other friends just get in the studio and, guy starts riffing singers like oh give me the, let me jump on that and that's a cool thing too just not how motley Cruz wired right right that's awesome 
And, you know, that kind of chemistry, you, you can't manufacture that. You can't buy it. How did you guys even come together for, for people who aren't familiar with the dirt or uh, too familiar with your backstory? Like, how did, how did Motley Crue come to be? It's fucking weird, right? Like, <laughs> I am a kid that goes to Hollywood at 17 with like a couple T-Rex tapes and first and second Aerosmith album in my back pocket, little <laughs> cassette player and a guitar. And I go to Hollywood with a dream, right? Yeah. I work my ass off. I mean, you'll see in the book, we talk a lot, a lot about work. I learned from my grandfather that got up before the sun came up and left and went to work and came home as the sun was coming down. He worked his ass off. He never complained. I worked on farms. I moved irrigation pipe. I was a dishwasher. I never complained because it was all for the purpose of the dream. My grandfather was to take care of this little boy and to take care of my grandmother. And, Mm. And we went from job to job to job. I went to Los Angeles. Same thing every day, writing, going to work at record stores, coming back, like studying magazines. I started reading books on lawyers because I was like, how does this whole thing work? And I realized most lawyers are criminals. (laughs) And um, I played in a lot of bands and I had a lot of bands that had good players and maybe interesting pieces, but there was something missing. Yeah. Something missing. And I, I... I guess I I had my standard was so high that it was easy for me to not to quit these bands. Mm. Yeah. To leave because I I want and and as I went, I kept getting better, better, better until you know, before Motley Crue had this band London, singer Nigel Benjamin, Lizzie Gray, Dave Rage, John St. John, we had become the biggest band in Los Angeles, but we couldn't get a record deal because I didn't believe in following trends. I believed in following my heart. And I loved Aerosmith and ACDC, the Sex Pistols, the Ramones. I wasn't going to try to be the Knack. Mm. I didn't want to be the Plimsolls. I wasn't even interested in hearing about Flock of Seagulls. Like, to me, it was like, <laughs> why, why is vanilla the number one flavor? It's like, sucks, man. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. we, we stuck our guns until that singer quit because we couldn't get a record deal. And you'll find out about that in the book and how that went down. And I applied all that to Motley Crue. But, you know, to answer your question, I saw Tommy play in a band called Sweet 19. And I go, that's my, that, that guy. And I got a hold of Tommy and Tommy had been a fan of that other band, London. We met, started showing him these songs. That some of the songs were, were I had been writing and been showing to my other band, London. And they didn't like them. They were too heavy. It's like we need to be more poppy. We got to make the record companies happy. Uh-huh. You know, it makes me laugh because no record company believed in us. And so we own all of our recordings, which we were just able to do this massive wow. deal with BMG because no record company believed in us. That's um, incredible. I mean, it's, just, it's unbelievable. So then Tommy, um, we looked literally in a magazine called the Recycler Magazine. That's where you would find bass players, drummers, saxophones, used cars, vacuum cleaners. It was <laughs> the Recycler. It was like, you know, recycling. 
and it was an ad said loud, rude, aggressive guitar player, Mick Mars. That guy showed up and we were like, there's, there's the next piece of the puzzle. And then we started looking for singers, which is really the hardest part because there's a lot of really great singers out there. Yeah. Uh, amazing singers. Sometimes they're just great singers and they don't have Johnny Rotten's fire or Steven Tyler's like desire. And we had this guy for a while and we were working and he was, it was difficult to work with. He wouldn't really follow direction. I had very clear ideas. And we were recording these two uh, songs, Stick to Your Guns, which ended up on Too Fast for Love, the original, and another song called Toast to the Town. And, and, and so we ended up firing the guy during those recordings. And Tommy knew this guy, Vince Neal, and Vince was like in a band called Rock Candy. And Vince was like, no, I got this other band. They were like a top 40 band playing backyard parties. And I guess the band, he showed up and the band members had all cut their hair because they wanted to get a record deal. And they wanted to be like the knack. And they, it was like about getting the record deal. It wasn't yeah. about the passion. Ah. And so Vince came down and met us. I remember I handed him the lyrics to Livewire and I'm like, this is kind of how it goes. Mix like, this is the riff we were working on stuff. And that moment is that moment in the movie yeah. where, you know, he came down with that girl and she's like, you know, trying to tell us. And as soon as tell us what to do and it's too loud and all this stuff, I remember how funny it was because <laughs> I never like really care what anybody else thinks. And I was like, I know what's happening right here. Mick, Mars, Tommy Lee, Nikki Six. If this guy's the guy, and when he bit down on those lyrics, man, I was like, now this is fucking magic. That's this is uh, fucking magic. And you know, the rest is history. But what a fluke. I mean, is that an intervention from God? Or, yeah. <laughs> or is it just pure you got a horseshoe up your ass? Uh, I don't fucking know. That's that's incredible. I love many things about that story, but one of the things that I think is so great is that you had these other things going that could have gone somewhere, but it didn't really scratch the itch for you. And you I, I think that takes a lot of balls to walk away from something that has potential, but you're yeah. just like, no, nah, I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, what do, what do you call that? Blind faith? Um intuition, stupidity. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I still don't believe in backing down from what you believe in. Yeah. But I also am not stupid enough just to think, um, oh, I'm in this band Motley Crue and we've been around for 40 years and toured the world. And so I can just, you know, I can hire some author and he can write a book and I can like read it go, yeah, it's close enough and stick it out. Like when I, you know, it's just like my fourth book and each book has been a New York times bestseller. Yeah. Cause I put the work in, you know, so every idea that you have is another opportunity for you to grow and hard work is the only way I've ever known to grow to be honest with you. So let's so let's talk a little bit about that because I think most people at the end of the day know that you've got to put in the work if you want to get results, but not everybody does. And not everyone can find tap into that whatever you need to tap into to push you 
to sit down at a keyboard and start tapping out words. What is there? Is it just in you? Is there something that you use to to fire yourself up when you're not feeling it? How do how do you do this? Because you've had an incredible output, including four books, not to mention all the music you've written. I found, you know, my process is I feel like I feel, especially in writing the first 21 book um, and kind of getting a snapshot of who I was through friends when I was like 13, 14, 15. And I've always been like a documentarian, mm. but I was, I was the weird kid in school that would be, had a notepad. There'd huh. be like a fight after school and I'd be like, I'd write like two pages about. Really? And at one point, like in the early 70s, I worked at a steel factory and a couple guys, they had this band, garage band up the street. And I I wrote lyrics for them. I remember writing lyrics and I would write like a C in a circle, like they're copywritten. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't even... God knows what even ever happened to <laughs> But again, it was like, I'm, I'm documenting, I'm collecting, my eyes are open. And, and the reason I moved from Los Angeles was it was just static. Mm. It was just static. You know, we live in a town of 9,000 people and I'm able to do what I did when I was a young kid. I'm still, well, now I don't have a notepad. I have this damn digital device in my hand and I'm just like bam 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 yeah. right email myself email myself print it out put it in a box and it's the art of uh of just absorbing and then you're working 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 and then it comes out in your output yeah you know so that's kind of like how it works for me but yes. everybody's got their own process I'm not I'm not a traditional songwriter. I don't write the song from top to bottom and do a demo of it and, you know, sing, sing the vocals parts myself and give it to the band. And they're like, wow, Nikki really has a horrible voice, but this ended up a good song. <laughs> I, just, I still record on um, either a cassette or my iPhone. Oh, really? That I, I'll have an idea. And then we were like talking to 6am guys and we we're talking about doing some new songs. And I would just like send the voice memo to James Michael. And he goes like, Oh, this is really cool. And they all have like, they all have like weird names. Like, let me go to my voice memos right now. So it's like part of the idea is I write a P I write something and then I, um, well, that's not, that's not good. They're gone. Okay. Hold on. This is a great interview for you. No, like for example, the other day, I just uh, wrote something, 20 seconds long, Heartless Narcissist. I don't know why. I think maybe I was watching <laughs> Dr. Phil. Red <laughs> like, was an hour before that. Blistering Heartache. Highway 22, which I live on. And, and there's melodies and there's stuff. And then there's all this stuff in here. It's like, oh, that's like an L.A. Rats song. Oh, wow, that's a 6 a.m. song. You know, Murder Weapon, Hello, Goodbye, Witches, it goes on and on and on. And then I'm like, I listen to it. I go, oh, wow, that riff is cool. Why did I call it Witches? It feels haunting. Yeah. Like if I'm working with James Michael, DJ Ashby, they're like, yeah, that is kind of haunting. DJ's like, what if I put these minory chords under that bass thing? And James, what if we change the melody line to this? So by collecting and documenting, you have a plethora of, uh, of jumping off points. That, that's incredible. And it answers a question that I've had for many years, which 
uh, having read the dirt, wondering how on earth do these guys remember all this stuff? You know, uh, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. And you guys are detailing like insane details of insane parties that happen at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Things that you wish you didn't remember. <laughs> Things that when my wife says, hey, uh, my friend's husband told me about this. I go, never happened. <laughs> I gave my wife the dirt when I met her like 12 years ago. I said, here's a book. You know, we we're just dating for like a couple months. I go, here's a book to read. Nothing uh, in here ever is true. And if it is, <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah, literally. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. More coming up from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsor. Build a team that will build your business. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. Hire at home or in 180 countries around the world to find the right talent for whatever your business needs. Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. And we're back. So you've talked a bit about your musical heroes, but what about your writing heroes? Are there are there authors or, or books that you've loved over the years that inspire you or that you recommend people read? Yeah, you know, um, I like... There's two things I like, and you might be able to like understand the, the parallel, but like right this book I got right here, um, Jim Bridger, Mountain Man. Why am I reading a book on Mountain Man? Because when I was a kid, I was fascinated with this idea of, uh, you know, explorers and out and like living yeah. off the why I was a young kid. So there's all these stories and about trapping and fishing and hunting and, and, you know, confrontation with, with uh, native Americans. And so for a kid, that was really amazing. Right now I live in, by Jim Bridger mountain. All right. So, you know, obviously you that, here's another book sitting here. This is queer by William Burroughs. Oh, wow. Yeah. A book that was uh, banned. Yeah. And, him writing about being an addict and being gay and in the fifties. And it was, to me, it was like so brutally honest. And then I will also read like beat generation poets. Uh, Bukowski is a big one for me. And then some of these songs like Petulia Clark's big bad John, I mean, Petulia Clark's downtown, excuse me. She's talking about downtown. All this stuff happens downtown. I remember being a young kid and being like, 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 it's the same as like looking at the Rolling Stones and going, where are you from? You know, it was, it was the excuse for my little brain. Right, right. Um, And then like Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean. That was a big song. I'd call the radio station over and over about that. So one day... A couple months ago, I played, I went, I said to my wife, I said, I want you to tell me what you hear. So I played uh, Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean. You should listen to the song sometime and go, that motherfucker, Nikki Six, is a thief. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a story of a guy 
and what happens to him along the way, not unlike some Jim Croce lyrics. Yeah. So I played Big Bad John, and then I played Dr. Feelgood, where it goes, uh, Jigsaw Jimmy, he's a running a gang. I think he's, so say he's doing okay. He's got a cozy little job with the Mexican mob selling packages of candy cane. Obviously not candy cane, obviously yeah. candy cane. <laughs> uh, they're the same. I like storytelling. And so for me to write books and write lyrics like that is just fun. I got yeah. the yeah, I, I mean, if there's a guy out there that you go, that's the guy in music, it's Bernie Taupin. Mm. Hmm. You know, Bruce Springsteen, hmm. Ian Hunter. I mean, these guys told stories. Yeah. And as you get older and you start, you you start, you know, I'm telling all these stories. I'm not going to rewrite 1987 because I'm not the same guy I was in 87. Right. So it's me collecting information and then trying to put it back, you know, find a way to, to re regenerate it, regurgitate it. And it's just, it's my process. And thank God I'm in, in a couple of really cool bands. I got great partners and they have great ideas and we uh, work together really good. I was really happy with the, the, the dirt songs that we, for the movie. And yeah. I think we ended up writing eight songs and boiled it down to four and, we had the song with Machine Gun Kelly on it. So, you know, we're, we're 40 some years into a career and we're still able to find ways to, you know, be Motley Crue. That's, that's incredible. And, you know, there's this other movie coming out that the Tommy and Pamela Anderson movie. I, I just, I have to wonder, like having lived through that time where this thing happens to one of your best friends in the world, how oh. fucking weird was that? To, to live through that? Or is that just another day in Motley Crue universe? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think that's probably a better question for Tommy because yeah. you know, I wasn't actually there. But, you know, each band members had their ups and downs and we did our best to document that in the, in the Dirt film. Me with, you know, dealing with addiction, which, you know, I now understand was a Band-Aid for abandonment um, mm. which I to talk about a lot in my in my new book. And I also don't, I try to come at it a little bit with empathy. So it'd be really easy to get the the swords and the guns and the guillotines out and let my mom and dad have it. How dare you do this to me? But it was really talked a lot about, you know, what I was born in 1958. By 1960, my sister, Lisa, she was born, she had Down syndrome. My mm. dad left about a year after that. My sister went to a home. My mom split, left me on a doorstep. That's fucked up shit to have yeah. to deal with. But I had a great you know, my grandparents were there for me and I got to live in the country. And so later in life, hormones and heavy metal turns into, I'll try anything, I'll do anything. And I got myself addicted to heroin, which then, you know, obviously became, you know, that I'm also an alcoholic and that people in my family have an alcohol problem. You get to Mick, you know, Mick's just a very private guy who only really... Well, not only, but his main love in life is just guitar. Mm. It's just guitar. That's really his life revolves around that. And with his angliosis spondylitis, what he shared with me about that is because it's uh, it kind of freezes your spine. You've seen people that are walking down the road that are way bent over. Yeah. You know, Mick looks at, you know, even though he wishes he didn't have it, 
but how can he let other people that have angliosyspondylitis know that there is life beyond the diagnosis? And he is sort of in a position where his hands and his neck and everything is in a position which is like perfect for playing guitar. Wow. Or he can play guitar all the time. So that's his love in life. Wow. What he's done to handle that struggle and his ups and downs and Tommy, we've talked about that. And Vince has been through so much losing his daughter and car accident and, you know, a lot of stuff is happening to him and all the highs with him. So we really do try to document that because I think it gives people, you know, even if you're zooming in for the car crash, you're zooming in for the overdose, you're going to zoom out and go, oh, wow. Right. Something or maybe as something I should be aware of. I've had so many people talk to me about addiction. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, my 21st year of sobriety, all around the world, and they talk to me about, you know, thank you for sharing the the guts and the blood and the warts and the all in your book because it helped me understand my brother who overdosed mm. helped me understand my dad who was an alcoholic. And when my dad got sober, now I kind of understand what he went through. So, you know, these are the yeah. things we do, you know, these are the things we do as a band. It's very unusual for a band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, heartbreaking. Uh, you, that, that, the list you just mentioned there, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking and just incredible that you guys have, all found your ways to to get through these times and to to continue on and i'm sure your your love of each other and you know taking trying to take care of each other has a lot to do with that what about Um, this we're finally gonna tour fuck i mean we just (laughs) we were so we, we were done we did our final tour the movie came out i think yesterday i think i heard it was uh heading towards 90 million views on Netflix, the movie, and it reignited a whole new generation yeah. of people about Motley Crue. And this opportunity came up with us and Def Leppard to do, you know, a stadium tour. Oh my God. And, you know, then the pandemic hits and we yeah. talked about that in the book a lot. And also the preparation of getting ready for a tour. I wanted to share that with our, uh, with fans to understand that, you know, you don't just roll out of bed and pick over, like pick your guitar up, put a cigarette in your mouth, and write brown sugar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's it's a lot of work, and that's what band rehearsals about, and production meetings, and how to get the show great for for you, for the fan. It's important. That's our responsibility. So we talk a lot about that, but you know, we we didn't tour last year because we weren't a hundred percent convinced it was the right thing to do for our fans. And mm-hmm. I, I have friends that went out there, their mandates for touring were, it was a bubble. They saw nobody. They're all vaccinated. Everybody, they went, you know, on stage. I've seen pictures of them taping their mask off as they're getting their guitar, walking on stage, rocking the audience's brains out because they're so excited to be out of their house. And they go back and they don't see anybody. And they've been able to do a complete, tour and make a lot of people happy. There's other bands that were loosey-goosey and you see, you've heard the stories about yeah. some of them. The tour goes down and you can't get COVID insurance. So mm-hmm. like if a show goes down, enough shows go down, it's, it's like you might as well go home. Right, like, right, we're, right. We're losing money being on the road. Yeah. We, we have bills too. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We have mortgages right. too. So 
we kind of watched what people did right, what people did wrong, and then how the vaccination rate has gotten higher and higher. And there's been some, obviously, there's a new variant now for like when we were first talking about going out, which would have been this year, it was the Delta variant. Now we have the new variant, which is supposed to be less, more contagious, less uh, uh, detrimental. So we're... We made a decision. We're going next year. We're going to be super safe for our fans, for people backstage, for the band, for the other bands. All the bands have to be in agreement. You know, it's Motley, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett. We got to be super responsible because it's a super important tour to do. And we're super stoked. We're really, really excited. But, you know, when you say Motley Crue and maturity, it doesn't probably like fit together very well. But we try to do the mature thing. You know, for our fans. Yeah, no, well, that that's awesome. And I will absolutely be, uh, hopefully I could get better seats this time around, but uh, I, I will definitely be I in attendance. I promise you we will get you some good seats. <laughs> that's Somewhere awesome. like row like 147. No, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, no. Perfect. We'll, you, we'll take care of you, buddy. You're going to uh, be That's I know perfect. The <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Well, Nikki, I I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're you're talking to a lot of people and doing a lot of stuff, and just uh, just wanted to say you you've given me and a lot of people a lot of happiness over the years. So thrilled that you're heading back out on tour. Can't wait to to read your book. Everyone should definitely check it out because this man can write a song and he can write a book. I want to say one thing. You know, I I was I, f- I forget to mention this, but I really enjoy audio books. Uh, I, you know, when I'm driving around, I got stuff to do. Yeah. I read all my own audiobooks. Ah. And, um, the new one is no different. So it's out. So, you know, a lot of people, very interesting time we're in, have a little bit of a attention deficit, you know, thing yeah. going on. Swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to reading a book, I've heard so many people say, yeah, I just don't read as many books as I used to. Thank God for the audiobook because like I got to enjoy the whole book driving back and forth to work or the grocery store. Yeah, right, my right. Kids up, whatever. I got a lot of truck drivers and bus drivers and people that drive across the country. So it's something to check out, you know, if you're not like a, a good, you know, avid book reader, the audiobook's out there. And it's uh it, it was a lot of fun to do. I recorded it because I wrote the book in Wyoming. Relate, it's like starting back and relating to my childhood and then moving yeah. forward. Uh, we did the audiobook on top of this mountain. You had to switch back way on top of a mountain <laughs> out of a horror movie, a little cabin <laughs> overlooking the Snake River. And it was, it was all part of the experience of I wrote it here, I did the audiobook here. We put the art together. I did a, a short little documentary. I don't know if you've seen that, you know, which is just kind of me telling my story that was all recorded here. And wow. a friend of mine who's got those 100,000 acres that came here in the 30s, let us use the land. And we were out oh, there that's awesome. reflecting on a long career. So there's a lot of fun stuff out there. Yeah. This as well as the song. Awesome. Awesome. Well, a lot of stuff to check out. And we look forward to a lot of new stuff. It doesn't seem like you're retiring anytime soon. So uh, really awesome talking to you, man. Very inspiring. Thank you. Best of luck to you, okay? All right. Great talking. Thanks. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Big people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks.